Hey, thanks for tuning in again. This is part two of my racial discussions. And on this episode, I bring on Matt. Matt and I met, uh, well, quite a few years ago when we were both working part-time doing security. And Matt is a former police officer and former undercover agent in the Utah area. And I wanted to pick his brain about things that he saw around this topic. I hope you guys enjoy. All right. Hey, Matt. How you doing? Derek, how have you been? I'm good. I'm good. I I, I do miss you tremendously. I told you that, but I want to say it again. I do miss you. I miss you too, man. We had good times. That was fun. We did. So just some background. Uh, Matt and I worked uh, security at a, a couple places in the Salt Lake area, and we would be up together till like you know two in the morning. Yep, and so we did. <laughs> good times. Good times yep. were had. Um, and so you were a former police officer in the Salt Lake yep. area. Uh, recently moved to Montana, and I just kind of wanted to get your stance, or maybe your position, or what things you've seen while you were in the police force. So this obviously is being brought up because of recent things that are arising across, actually started across the country, now it's going it's global, where people are mad at police or they feel like there's a lot of injustice towards uh, black people or people mm-hmm. of color. And um, you being in that department, and you, how long were you I was a, uh, I was a cop for 10 years. I did six years in patrol. I trained probably 20-something guys, and, you know, either directly or indirectly. I did four years as a narcotics diversion detective, so I worked in a really um, basically state-mandated rehab. So basically, if you said, if you got okay. arrested for a burglary, and you and during the, the process of the discovery and going to court, you told your lawyer, like, look, man, I am not a violent person. The only reason I burglarized that house is because I'm a drug addict, and I was looking for Oxycontin or money or something to feed my drug habit. I need help. I want to get better. And they looked at your record and they said, oh, like Derek is a bad dude. He's just got a problem. Let's put him in this drug court. And then you would basically sign away, sign away a guilty plea to that burglary, sign away all of your rights to search and seizure, like all of them. And you would say contingent on you Uh getting clean, graduating this super intense program, all the charges will be dropped. And you'll get a new lease on life. So I was a, I worked in that program. I did undercover work. Oh, and I also investigated like doctors that were over prescribing. So I did that for four years. And uh, then I just left. I got out of the business after that. Okay. All right. Um, now I'm curious. What, what's uh, some interesting things that you've seen? How much time you got? Oh, man. A couple of the really good ones. Either hilarious or just bonkers Um, out of this world. Well, it's pretty graphic. Like, it's the thing is, like, that that life is it's not for everybody. There's a reason it's a 20 year retirement because I think it messes a lot of people up. I think it's a 20 year retirement because it takes 10 or 15 off your life, honestly. So when I was brand new, one of like when my when I was a brand new officer, one of the first things I went to was the trolley square shooting. And that was yeah, it was oh, insane, man. I was at the station. Uh, I was just in like around the Mill Creek area at the time. And it came out and I mean, it sounded horrific on the radio. 
I mean, we there was apparently bodies yeah. everywhere. You have to understand, they thought there was two shooters on the roof at the time. So I was going out there. I, I lit, drove, I think, 110 miles an hour down 7th East. It was warp speed. Wow. Now, in hindsight, by the time I arrived, the shooter had already been down, but nobody knew that. Okay. And so it was pretty tense. Got so it. I was there for that. Um, there was a time that I pulled over Thomas S. Monson, who was the Mormon prophet at the time. Oh. Um, uh, I've obviously seen lives destroyed, just like irreplaceable, hum- like human lives destroyed in the most sad, horrible ways. Um, I've seen things that I can't get out of my head, you know, like not to get not to get wow. dark, but. I've seen people yeah. commit suicide. I've seen, I've had to tell people that their loved ones have passed away or died. That's always horrible. And then I've met people oh, who were man. just out of their minds. And sadly, it was hilarious, but um, it really runs the gambit, dude. And like, honestly, this, the crazy thing is it all just becomes a blur. Like in the first year or two, you want to tell yeah. all your friends about this crazy stuff. And then after like five years, you're just like, you don't even want to talk about it anymore. It's just like a clock in, clock out. That makes sense. Yeah. Why did you want to become an officer? Um, you know, my dad was a cop when I was not. Well, he was a cop when I was a little kid. There was a time he was the acting chief of West Wendover police for a little while which sounds way more glamorous than it is. It was like a two or three person department. (laughs) Um, So he was, he, I remember sitting in his car, he had a little bubblegum light, but he had left, he'd worked for Baton Rouge police department in the sixties, which was like pre Serpico era. You want to talk about dirty cops? Like he was undercover in internal affairs at Baton Rouge, the police department and left because people were like his own department was going to kill him. So it was like super shady. Wow. <laughs> he was an officer in Colorado and then he, he just hung it up. You know, he, he, it runs its course. It's not for everyone. And my mom was crazy about it, but yeah. So I always wanted to do that. I thought it was a noble profession. I thought it made an impact. I, I went on ride alongs. I thought it was cool. I had a scout master growing up that was a Salt Lake city officer who was a saint. I mean, like the guy, was a hero to me. He, he taught me everything I know about camping. And I mean, I'm not an outdoorsy guy, but my dad was never in the picture for me. And I, I just really looked up to him. So I was super proud to do it. And I started when I was like 21 years old, which is insane. It's like way too young. Okay. Oh, interesting. All right. So, so that was your goal. Your goal, you, you saw your dad, you kind of emulated that and and you, you know, you like, I want to make an impact. Yeah. I want to, I want to help people. Mm-hmm. So you became a police officer. Um, and, and so to, in totality, how, how long? 10 years. And then I, I answered 911 calls for a year before that, before I got into the academy. So oh, okay. I have like 11 years in public safety total. Okay. Got it. Got it. And is there a particular reason why you, yeah, dude, like, um, it was hard on me. Like, like I was really <clears throat> probably the least healthy I've ever been mentally, you know, over a certain period of time. Okay. And it just, uh, 
it, I think it's a really bad idea to do that job as a bachelor with no, with nobody at home <laughs> to keep you grounded, you know, cause you can just go nuts. Oh. And, uh, I, I just was, you know, working graves and you can't sleep and, you know, you drink, you hang out with other cops, you get jaded. So I was like not doing well. I really was not okay towards the end of it. Okay. Uh, my time undercover really changed my perspective on a lot of things. Like I began to get treated worse <laughs> by my coworkers than I did by the people I was trying to put in prison, oh. which was bananas. So it really, there's no, like, you really Whoa. flip your mind around when you do undercover work. Do you know like, that what that you mean? contributed to? Like, why, why they kind of, why your fellow officers I don't, you differently? Uh, well, look, like, so here's a good example. When I was undercover, I looked obviously horrible. I don't know if you ever knew me when I had, like, black hair okay. and beard and everything. Yeah, it was pretty oh yeah, pretty ridiculous looking. So I was coming home from a buddy's house in Harriman and I was in my official police car. And at that time, it was like a Dodge Magnum on 24s that they had seized from some yeah. uh Hispanic drug dealers, you know, <laughs> as a part of a Rico case. And so it was a straight up G ride. Like oh, it okay. had a system in it. And it was my official car, though. And the plates were bunk, <laughs> like the plates were fake, but it was okay for me to be driving it. I had the okay. paperwork. It was the car was owned by by the county or some some agency that I worked for. And <clears throat> I got pulled over by Draper police because I had a headlight out. And okay. that guy was out to get me, dude. Like he knew I was a cop, but oh, you wow. got to understand, like I was young and I had this crazy car i was in a desirable position and he was a downtrodden dude that had just like got his sergeant stripes taken away and he was relegated to graveyards he was 20 year jaded guy and he was gonna make a deal out of it and so he read me the riot act dude like he oh, held wow. me there forever and he wrote me this ticket for having no registration and i'm like dude this is my police car there is no registration because the plates yeah. are fake and he made a deal out of it. And so nobody had my back, dude. They told me to just pay the ticket. And I'm like, you guys are nuts. This is crazy. So small example, but oh my uh, God. you get along better sometimes with the people that you're trying to work, you know, than the people you do work with, which is crazy. Huh? Wow. That's that's yeah, it blew mine too. Blows my mind a little bit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and so you just started, you just started getting kind of tainted to, for you, and you just were like, well, you know, you know like honestly, man, at the time, it. like at the ten year mark for me was around when like Ferguson riots were happening, and it was also yes. when I started a totally different world than ten years later. You got to understand, like. When I started, there wasn't really like camera phones. <laughs> like it, they were there, but they oh, were okay. grainy. Okay. The internet yes. wasn't fast enough to take videos and send them. It was just, you know, you remember. And so you started to notice like yes. five, six, seven years in that there would be people filming you when you're on the side of the road. 
and YouTube became of age and it, it got to the point where, oh. you know, it, everybody became an expert suddenly. And you could be doing your job like <laughs> by the book, being a good person and God forbid have to do something you didn't want to do and end up front page news, right. CNN that night, national villain. And so at the time, I was like, there is no better time in history to get out of law enforcement than right now. But flash forward five <laughs> years, and it is so much worse than when I left. Like, it's, it's way worse now. I could never do it now. Like, with, with people I mean, on their just cell phones people and, don't and like all that, that anymore. Mean? I mean, obviously, all you got to do is turn on the news and see that. Oh, okay. And their villains and, um, you know, the lost talking about defunding the police and yeah it's it's pretty rough man i mean that's a rough gig they also nerfed the retirement in utah as well and that i mean utah has a one of the worst police retirements compared to other states and so they they're really making the incentive to do that job less and less in my opinion oh okay um now i remember i remember when we would we worked security uh, you, you. I remember you saying that you would have to take. Oh yeah. Sometimes yeah. just because you couldn't sleep, and 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 so that so that was all kind of part. I just thought it was just a, a condition you were going you had, but reality is, is it was. Yeah, dude. Was I mean, there was there was other stuff, and you know, you get anxiety. Ambien's only meant to be used for like two or three nights in a row, <laughs> and I'm like, when I found that out, I was like, oh wow, shit. Okay. Well, uh, I've been doing it for ten years straight, every single night, so. I think that's a problem and probably why it doesn't work as much anymore and have to take multiples way more than I should. And like, I remember uh, when Heath Ledger died and I saw the list of the stuff he was on. I was like, that's not that crazy. That's it. (laughs) And it was like, I, it was a problem, you know? Oh, all right. But uh, yes. Yeah. You know, That's the other thing is I found the hypocrisy in, you know, going after somebody for weed when everybody's so medicated in Utah and that people could be pilled out of their minds. Some of the highest people I've ever met in my life have Uh just been pilled out of their minds legally by doctors, especially in Salt Lake County and and Utah (laughs) County, dude. I mean, it's it's a huge thing to wow. be on pills in utah like it's a part of our culture so you don't think anything's oh, weird man. I, I, I know i know a few people you know which is which is sad i know i know yeah, and i knew yeah, a few people yeah. that were so addicted. thank goodness uh i sleep like a baby oh, now crazy. it's great oh good i, I was gonna ask that okay, yeah that's great that's good <laughs> and you, you and you said you're in Montana. Oh, it's great, like, man. Uh, it's so good for the health. There. And the, the air's fresh and clean. The people are good. You got space. It's it's a great place here. Don't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> um, so t- talking about that, you know, you brought up Ferguson and now we've yeah. got Minneapolis happening right now. Uh, that's, in, that's in the news. Um, did you watch the video of that? That was unreal. That officer? It was crazy. Yeah, so yeah and I mean, like, um, what the hell? before I had seen the footage, I had just heard on the news, like, officer continued to restrain someone after they said they couldn't breathe. And I didn't pay much attention to it at first. Um, 
So let's let's not talk about that uh -huh. for just a minute. Let's put that aside. You guys have got to okay. understand that, like, that is a street game too. It's like everybody that knows they're going to jail tries to delay it by saying, "Oh, I have chest pain," or "I or I can't breathe" because they want to go to the okay, hospital yeah. instead of the jail. So it is a literal process that happens got every it. day in every department on every street. You know, you got to have the fire department come check someone out. They run them through their paces. Sometimes the person is so jacked up or they do have high blood pressure that you do have to take them to the hospital or the jail rejects them. And you end up going back okay. to the hospital and then you got to wait for doctors to release them, especially if someone's super drunk, like like four times the limit. The jail's not going to take them because it's a liability because they could die in there. And then that's a multimillion dollar problem. So. I didn't pay much attention to it at first oh. when I heard that the officer continued to restrain the guy when he said he couldn't breathe because that's every day. But then I watched that footage and I was like, oh, my God, this is okay. unreal. He it is unreal, dude. And I personally think that those two knew each other. I think they worked yeah. together like you and I used to do as a security. Yeah, they worked at a club. That's what I heard. I think yeah. And I heard they... And I heard they recently got yeah. into arguments he was while a they dick. were working because that, that yeah. officer and I mean, was mean You to remember other when patrons. we were yeah. working, I always was like, you don't want to be around the dude that's always getting in fights. You don't want to be that. You're going to talk people down. But anyways, yeah. watching that footage, it was chilling, yes. man. And it was, uh, it was unreal. And I can't, I can't for the life of me understand how that guy <laughs> – didn't compute that he was being filmed like like dude if you're gonna yeah. be a piece of shit person at least try to cover your bases and not be a piece of shit when people are filming you <laughs> like i don't understand right. it man like <laughs> you, you do have to do some things to restrain people sometimes but once the cups are on it's over you know and that's that's what I was thinking too. Was like, but yeah, he's cuffed. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, yeah, you're right. It's over. I'm curious though, because it, it's not brought up enough, um, just rarely. But what do you think about the other two officers? Well, I have. <sighs> Look, man, you got to understand what a no-win situation this is for me, as a straight white guy, ex-cop, talking about this in 2020. There's nothing I can say. This is not going <laughs> to end well for me, no okay. matter what I say. Um. <laughs> so I, I don't know to the story about the other dudes. I, I can see how it was like um, the Asian guy. It was almost like his job was to be the lookout to make sure nobody came in. He clearly should have said yes. something. Um, I'm not going to talk about what he should get or what he shouldn't get. The one dude that I do. <sighs> so there was a guy that was on his feet and he um, he had a seven hundred fifty thousand uh -huh. dollar bail. He just got bailed out. I think he had a GoFundMe raised for him. He was like a brand new cop, oh. like five minutes in, like he was a rookie. And I got to okay. tell you, like, if you're a brand new cop, you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> like you, sure you you realize about you three minutes out academy, of the academy right? like that, that what you learned <laughs> is not exactly real life. You know, I'm sure that other college students have that realization okay. when they get into their field, like, oh, this is nothing like school. So you just are trying to go with the flow, what everybody okay. else is doing. And you are trying to learn, stay alive and do a job. 
reputation for yourself. So I don't know, man, like if that guy was brand, he just thought that's the way this was and didn't know it was horrific. And I don't know, maybe they knew that cop wouldn't have stopped had they said it. Like maybe he did that every day. I think he'd had a lot of complaints on him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think it's just has, horrific, actually. man. I mean, the video um, where, where he did security and on the police. Yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's I, I didn't want to watch it because I did hear you, know, you, yeah. you see him pass away. And so I was like, I don't know if I want to see that video. And finally, my interest finally when overtook I, me. And I said, okay, I'm going to watch it. I was like, oh my gosh. I just was watching yeah, the dude. clock and like, tick away. I'm like, like honestly, he's still on him. There has been times I've had to kneel on people with multiple people, especially if someone's jacked up on meth. Yeah. Um, it, but like I said, it's to gain control and make an arrest. If you're doing that after, the only thing you yeah. can do after someone is already in cuffs is put leg shackles on them to restrain them even more. Then you have one thing left because they'll start spitting because okay. you put a spit hood on them. And that is like, you know, a cloth paper machine. You know, it's like a uh, Band-Aid that you put over their face so that they can't spit on you. And from then, you put them in a cage, you take okay. them to the jail, and you drop them off. Like, once the cuffs are on, the game is over. So I, he was clearly punishing this man. Like, he clearly knew him. He was like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Yeah. It's horrible, man. And then, I mean, the world is ah, destroyed really now. 2020 is the worst year ever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of like because they didn't know each other, it's almost like, yeah, that's okay, the thing. was this racially motivated? Like, was he just um, a piece of shit? Or yeah. did he have a personal problem with him? Or I don't know, man. I mean, is it like he just went out of his way to mess with him straight up because he was black? That's a tough question. Yeah, true. Now, I know we're not going to get into specifics of what mm -hmm. department or agency or anything you, you were involved in. Um, but it, do, do, I mean, do you, did you see that? Was there a lot of... I will tell you in, in <clears throat> straight up, like you would, people think, oh, Salt Lake County area, it's just a bunch of white Mormons. But you know, that's not true. Yeah, I mean, there's a, a legitimate right. refugee population in the area. First of all, there's a lot of Hurricane Katrina refugees that never left. They oh, yeah. Stayed. Um, and then, as you know, there's a lot of uh, refugees from uh -huh. straight up like Sudan and like Africa. You, I mean, we all know these guys, right? Yes. So it's yep. not oh, a bunch of white people. Yeah. There is plenty of mixture going on as far as racial diversity in that area. Um, so listen, here's the straight up truth of the matter. Yes. I have no dog in the fight anymore. I knew tons of different kind of cops. I knew good yeah. ones. I knew bad ones. Some of my best friends are cops and some of the people I hate the most in this world are cops. Like I knew white guys, black chicks, ah. Polynesians, the, the gambit. I mean, I knew a dude that typed his reports in the graveyard. He was a weirdo. Yeah. And, and you know him too. <laughs> it's oh, like, oh. so I'm saying like, it's a big cross section that makes, oh, up okay. society, <laughs> that makes up a police department. Look at those four dudes in Minneapolis. One is an Asian guy, okay. one's two white dudes, and then I'm not sure the other guy is, is not a white guy, but it's a good mixture of society. I so I yeah. knew good dudes, bad dudes. I even heard stories of cops that were quote-unquote dirty, like from years before me. 
those like, oh, they were okay. your, your stereotypical movie guys, just stories. But I never knew ever one time oh. that I was around where it's like, where it was like, look, there is a insert a minority. Let's go mess with them. Or let's, I, let's go mess. You know what I mean? Like there's a, I'll use you as an example. Okay. Look at that Filipino guy. Let's go mess yes. with him. Or, or insert any other racial group in there. It just doesn't right. happen, man. Like, like you, your captains, okay. your lieutenants are of these same ethnicities. Like you would be in so screwed if you just like overly messed with one community. But I did not ever know about that stuff. That being said, you do get accused of being racist every single day in that job. 100%. Like, I, I it is, it. like I told you, it's the street game of I can't breathe, I'm having a heart attack, or I have a headache, I have a back injury, I need to be seen by the medics. Yeah. Along with that, if somebody is playing the street game, it's like, oh, you're, you're racist. You're messing with me because I'm Hispanic or because I'm a woman or whatever so i hate to say it but you hear that every single day in that job yeah. and it comes with it just comes with it man it's a rough life but i never knew anybody that was like messing oh, with people because of their color of their skin it's just like it didn't happen okay got it okay that, yeah, that's pretty interesting garbage some, human beings some man some of them garbage some of them are the salt of the that. earth like i knew a dude yeah that um that went to a shoplifting case and it was a old man that was hungry and he had no food so we bought his groceries for him you know he, he paid a hundred something dollars to buy this guy's groceries and uh, he gave him his phone number and said call me if you ever need help i knew other people that you know were were predators as far as like go to a domestic case and this woman just got on a dv and they end up hooking up with this chick like that's what I'm saying when I'm like bad people, oh, wow. bad people in every walk of life. But I didn't ever know yeah. the racist thing. That's I think that's a narrative sure. that maybe is uh, used too frequently for that. Ah, okay, okay, yeah, that's pretty interesting. Hmm. Okay, and, and so, uh, what what do you think of the idea of? And actually, and I haven't heard this. This is kind of like my idea. Do you do you almost feel like it, it's better if you have mixed partners? You know, it's like a, a white guy and, and a black guy or a Hispanic guy just to help kind of get like rid of that, that uh, accusation <laughs> off the bat. Yeah. Like well, imagine. Like a, I, so imagine putting <laughs> yourself in this as color. a white guy. But I, just too... I want you to imagine being white for a minute, Derek. <laughs> Okay. It's a joke. And I want to also, I want to say <laughs> before right. we go on to this, the people that were those garbage <laughs> cops that would go back and hook up with those chicks, they got fired for it. Like you do get uh -huh. fired for this stuff. This, this narrative that you don't get in oh, trouble okay. for anything is nuts. You're always in trouble for everything, no matter what you do. Yeah, man. I mean, no one wants to go through internal oh, affairs. They will do it. That's great. Like it's over. You lose everything if you get caught. So to answer your question, think uh... about it. Okay. You're on the street. Say you're dealing with um, Hispanics in the Rose Park area. Say you're dealing with gang members or whatever. Okay. And you're just a white dude. 
and you're out there doing your job, say you're okay. in a gang unit and they accuse you of being racist. Say your wife and kids are Hispanic at home. What's the All upside? Right. You know, my wife is a Mexican. Okay. Like, what are you going to really do? You're not going to say that. Right. It's just like, first <laughs> right. of all, no one will care. Anything yeah, exactly. anyone knows about you in your personal life is a disadvantage. So I, I don't I don't think it does much for you to have proof. You become that guy that's like, I have black friends. Like, who cares? That's not a that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay, I mean, that, that, that makes total sense. And, and I'm glad you're what well, you're breaking it down because I think some people forget that you need to put yourself in the other person's shoes sometimes. It's easy to throw blame, throw accusations, yeah. um, especially if it will benefit your ideology. But you really have to open up your mind to what, what, what's the case. Uh, you can, we, you, I mean, you brought this up. You think, you think that it could take you know, oh, yeah. a 20-year retirement because you think it takes 10 to 15 years off your life. How stressful is um, it every day when you're, when you're putting your I will tell you on? that you be, for me, everybody has downsides of it. For me, I became the most paranoid person in the world. Um, and you have to understand in that job, oh, okay. <clears throat> look, there's different roles in that job. You could be the guy running the traffic. You could be given tickets, riding a motorcycle. You could be a school cop. You could be a canyon patrol, you know, you could be canine, or you could be the kind of guy that wants to roll around and go hunt bad people. And by bad people, I mean people that pull guns on people and take okay. their property or people that put people in the hospital by beating them up and robbing them. Like there are bad people in this world that prey on good people. There's bad people that prey on bad people. And it, you yes. know, it happens that way. But if you're the kind of cop that wants to go hunt warrants and, you know, heroin and meth and dope and gangbangers and stuff, you are going to meet some bad people. And when you deal with those people, you will be on the way to jail yeah. and they'll tell you, I am going to find your wife and your kids and I am going to kill them when I get out of jail. I'm coming to find you. And you got to understand that that happens wow. frequently. And when you're driving home, you, wow. you got to make weird. You don't go the same way home every day. You sure don't want to park your cop car out in front of your house. Like you don't want people to know you're, at least I didn't. Everybody's different. Some guys love it. They wear their gun and badge when they mow the lawn. Yeah. But I was not that guy. Like I didn't want anyone to know I was a cop. Okay. Because there's no upside. And sure. it does, like, when I say frequently, there's, yeah. plenty of, there's plenty of days when nothing happens. There's plenty of weeks where nothing happens. There's times you interact with just soccer moms. But when you're uh -huh. rolling around with the baddest of the bad, you're dealing with a lot of people that have nothing to lose. And their currency is respect. They're not afraid to be put in prison. Right. At all. So their currency is respect. And I will say that you learn to talk to those people in a way where you understand, I know you don't like me. I know I don't like you. We can have a mutual respect man to man here on the street and it's nothing personal and the game is over. Now the cuffs are on. I'm not going to say anything to clown on you in front of your people. You know, if you're with your wife and kids, I might give you a pass on something. Um, I'm not going to like okay. call you a snitch in front of your homies 
just to diss you. So you find ways to not make it personal and in a strange way that can make right. you, keep you safer. But ultimately, um, you pay a price, man. Like, I'll just tell yeah. you, for me, I saw suicides and I saw death. And um, the ones that messed me up personally was the hangings. Like, I just whatever reason it is, the wow. suicides that were hangings messed me up because these people are frozen in the moment of death. And it's truly disturbing to see that. Um, there was other guys wow. for obvious reasons that had families that they got messed up bad when there was an infant or a little kid that got killed. So I would try to take those cases for those guys. I can see that. I would yeah. say, look, man, I got, I got this dude. Not that it didn't mess me up, but it didn't okay. get close to home like it did for them. You know, you got a six-month-old sure. home, and this six-month-year-old died. You're going to see exactly. your kid that makes there. sense. Um, and then you're going to be crazy when you see that kid when you get home. Sure. You're going to be overprotective yeah. of him. Don't go play out in the street or something like that. So it me everything messes people up in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Like, I had to give up motorcycle riding because, I mean, you see brains on the road. You see femurs sticking out of legs. And you, you can't enjoy that hobby anymore because that's all you see and smell. The smells stick in your head, too. Um, I remember yeah. I ran wow. an ankle monitor program once and I got a strap tamper alert. And it was at the medical examiner's office at the University of Utah. And so I knew that one of my ankle monitor folks had died and they were down at the morgue. So I had to go down there and see what happened oh. and who dropped him off and what the deal was. I had to get the ankle monitor back too. And I remember walking in that thing and I mean, not to be graphic or anything, but there's just your typical metal slabs from the movies with people on them and their rib cages hanging open. And, and these guys are walking around talking about football and how's the missus. Oh, well, they wow. got blood splatter all over them from using power tools on people. And I'm like, these people are nuts. Like, how could they do this job? How could you go eat lunch after this? <laughs> but sometimes you have to do that as a cop. Right. Like, someone blows their head off with a high-powered rifle, and you got to go there and deal with it. And then it's like, okay, it's 7 o'clock. It's time for your lunch. You guys want to go to Crown Burger and eat? Like, you know, you got to, like... I don't know, man. Yeah. Everybody deals with it in their own way. And a lot of the ways to deal with it are not healthy. So I think there's a lot of PTSD in law enforcement that goes undiagnosed. And I think it's like hip to say you've got PTSD nowadays. Everybody's got it because their mom was mean to them. But um, which I'm not dismissing any of that. But <laughs> okay. look like you eventually you got to pay the piper. You're a human being, you're seeing the worst of the worst, and eventually it catches up to okay. everybody in their own way. And if people say otherwise, they're lying. They're being tough guys. That makes, that makes sense. You is, don't want to yes, easily on hand, do that like a therapist for because, because you become a liability, dude. Like if yeah, like what if you went in? To okay, your liability. Oh, that, oh, hey, that man, I'm really struggling. I'm seeing horrible things in my dreams. I've developed a drinking problem. Um, they'll say, I'm really glad you came to us. We'll get you the help you need. And 
they're going to instantly be looking at you like, we, we got to really watch this guy. He's a ticking time bomb. So in my right. opinion, yeah, most cops oh, yeah. don't do that at all. Um, the only ones that do that are the ones that have been caught up in something horrible where it's unavoidable. All right, Matt. Hey, thanks so much, man. All your information has been, your perspective has been amazing. I, I really appreciate it. The last thing I'm going to bring up right now is uh, something you got kind of mentioned. It was the whole defunding of the police. Yeah. Uh, I think it's, I think it's ridiculous in my opinion, but I don't have all the facts yet. So I'm curious your perspective of that. Uh, <laughs> well, it's kind of like a new buzzword and yes, it is. Yeah. Like you've never, I've never heard this in my whole life to defund the police. It's interesting. I don't really know the origin of it. And you have to really look at all of this stuff. I think through the lens of the fact that this is an election year, like I hate to yes. say that because this man just got murdered in the street in front of everybody that happened. And I think people would be freaking out just as much. <laughs> But I think that, uh, look, man, politicians are advantageous. They're savages. Right. They, they, right. they will use any crisis. Whoever, one of the politicians said never waste a good crisis, right? Wow. So you have to think like, okay, how much of this is because this is an election year? Um, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's not because of that. Maybe that is like. You know, maybe this is the extension of these kids coming out of college that are younger now and entering the workforce. Maybe this is like what they're talking about in college these days. I don't know. But if you're going to defund the police, then what's your plan? Like, yeah, what are you going to do in South Chicago when they already got 40 homicides on a Memorial Day weekend that nobody talks about? What are you going to do when you defund the police? <laughs> oh, and that's why I think it's ridiculous. Again, that's my opinion. But I, like, I've, I've needed the police. Like, and, and I'm a gun owner. And I'm always strapped. Yeah, I still, like, I, still, I still want the police around. Yeah, dude. And I'm brown. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, I don't know what to say about that. Like I said, no in situation <laughs> for me. But I will say this. You have very little reason to join the law enforcement sector right now. Like if you're a kid right now and you're 21, say you're getting out of the military or something, uh -huh. what you got to really be a special kind of person either or really <laughs> noble or really stupid. One of the two <laughs> who want to go get into this mess right now. And if they're going to defund the police, then that will, in my opinion, that's going to affect. Okay. So they didn't disband the police in Minneapolis. They're going to disband that. But okay. in LA, they pulled $150 million from the police budget and they gave it to, I think um, you'll have to fact check me on this, but I think they gave it to like minority groups or women's groups or something uh, broadly across that genre. So they moved the money okay. from one place to the other. So it's going to be less funding, not defunding, but less funding. And I think what you'll see as a result of that is worse equipment, worse training, uh -huh. and worse cops. So like, and that's what I'm worried of is, is that, is the, is the less training, which leads to worse cops. Like, I think that if they're going to reform police, they should. <laughs> and look, man, 
nobody's got the answer to this. I don't have the oh, answer to it, and I'm glad I don't have to. But I'm yeah. just like thinking out of the box, like if they're going to fix police and they're going to reform it, then you're going to want to make that job fundamentally different and hire a different kind of person. Like somebody who is um, a community leader who has got a, you know, maybe they've got like an MBA or something like that. And they're going to start a business. They're going to be like a good philanthropist and give to the community. Uh They're not going to be a police officer. They're not going to do that job for 50 or 60 G's a year. So like you got to have a special person to do that. And if you have less funding, you are going to get a lower quality product in my opinion. So I think that they should say, we're going to make police standards higher. We're going to hire higher quality people. We're going to pay them more. We're going to train them better. We're going to really invest in non-lethal tactics and de-escalation. We're going to build community centers and put the cops in them like big brothers programs. You know what I'm talking about? Like impoverished communities. Like you really think you should go the other way with this because if you defund them, you're just going to get shittier cars. First of all, you're going to get less body armor and you're going to get less pay, worse benefits. And so people, and then, and then your applicant pool will be lower and you will have people that you would normally not hire to be cops. Yeah. Like, well, we've got 25 open positions uh, and summer's coming. So let's just hire this guy that we normally wouldn't hire because we have to. Yes. Cause we need boots on the ground and this is what's left. <laughs> exactly, man. I just think you're going to get a worse product. The disbanding that thing is sense. nuts. Like that, that seems like a uh, experiment to me. Uh-huh, that okay. just seems like a and social again, experiment. And again, you have no horse in this race because you're not. I don't you're care, not involved man. In any way, I'm out in the middle but, but of nowhere. But that's your perspective. Yeah, and that's. I'm glad I don't have to care, and I'm not. <laughs> like I told you off the line, not to get dark on this, but I'm never having kids. I think that this world can go take care of itself. I'm not going to have to stress about it. I got probably <laughs> right. 40 or 50 more years and then I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just enjoy my time while I can. Good. Good for you, man. Well, Matt, anything else you want to, you want to say or add uh, to maybe something we've missed or something you wanted to make sure was, was talked about? <sighs> I don't know, man. Um, I guess the only thing I would say is that I wish that I, I wish that I could go talk to kids in these troubled communities. I really do. Like, I wish that I could go talk to kids in projects. Like, I've been to the Baltimore projects. I've seen Chicago projects. Salt Lake obviously does not have that extreme. But there are kids that are in the same boat, just a smaller one. I wish I could go talk to them and just tell them, like, look, when you are talking to cops on the street and you get arrested it is not the end of the process it's the beginning of the process play your cards right be smart don't be stupid when in court another day when you're more prepared and you've got people in your corner but when you're on the side of the street and you are being arrested let's say it's completely 
a, a wrong arrest. Let's say they got the wrong person. Let's say your brother Dale did something and it was you okay. they arrested just because you're another brown guy. I'm sure it happens. Okay. okay? I'm sure it happens. Don't don't be like, for what? Arrest me for what? I know my rights, man. This is BS and I want your badge number. That is the wrong way to handle this. Okay? Because you are giving. Let, let's just say that that cop is one of those cops I said that is a bad person. And, uh-huh. and you, he has no right to arrest you. But you turn around and start getting froggy and you refuse to give your ID and, you know, you end up rolling around on the ground, skinning your knees. Well, the next thing you know, you just worked your way into some resisting arrest assault on an officer thing. When all you got to do if you're in that situation is say, yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. You bite your tongue. You invoke the Fifth Amendment. You don't say anything. And you realize that this is not the end. You are not convicted just because you were arrested. Just because you go to jail doesn't mean you're going to be having a criminal record. You win in court. And like, I just wish I could tell these kids is like, you got to you got to play this game and you got to think the long game instead of the short game. And I just think if they had that perspective, that it would really change so much of the stuff. You know, I understand that it's really easy for me to say that as a white guy that used to be a cop and has never been pulled over because I'm a white guy. Like, I can't right. understand that. That's right. I, I don't want to seem like I'm insensitive to the fact that that happens to people. But regardless of if it does happen, then you got to play the game. You got to be smart. You get a lawyer. The state provides you one. You don't give anybody any ammunition to hang you by if you really didn't do anything wrong. Just play the game and be courteous. And then when you show up to court, you put on a shirt and a tie. You bring your lawyer with you and you win and you walk away. And if that officer was in the wrong and if they did something that broke your civil rights, then you file a lawsuit against them or you go speak to their internal affairs department. There's a right way to do it. And I just wish I could tell these guys like, don't listen to your friends. Don't listen to YouTube. <laughs> Trust me. This is what you got to do. That, that, that makes a lot of sense, man. And I actually, I, I agree with that. I, I watch those videos on YouTube where people think they know their rights, where they, or they think they know the law. And it's like, listen, college boy, you don't really yeah. know it yet. So, yeah. so uh, just like you said, just go through the steps then, you know. Uh, Matt, hey, man, that was great information. I really appreciate you coming on. Um, this has been, this, this has been amazing. I, I, I truly appreciate it. And, and again, appreciate your uh, perspective on, on everything. Yeah, so, dude, it's been great. Good to catch up with you. Holler at me anytime. Um, for sure. Yeah. Be good to talk to you again. All right, brother. Take care. All right. Bye, Derek. Bye.